gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. Hello, everybody. Uh, back in the office, finally. Uh, I've been um, hunting too much, probably. Frank finally went back to work, too. Actually, Frank, how long? You've been back to work, too. I've been gathering. He's been gathering? Oh, yeah, you were a gatherer on this last uh, last hunt, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. So, we, uh, I, I, I fucked us up bad the first time. In fact, I, I thought the, the lady on the other end of the mic wasn't going to talk to him anymore because I got all hung up, and then I forgot to tell her that I wasn't going to do a podcast, but... I made it. I got her on. Uh, Nikki Selby. Uh, and uh, wait, it's Fly Girl RN uh, on Instagram, correct? Yes. Gotcha. So at a level like one to 10, how mad were you at me? Um, Probably about a seven, I would say. Okay. And it was only because you didn't tell me that you weren't <laughs> going to do it that day. So I was waiting around for hours, waiting for a phone call never happened yeah i'm bad i'm not a very good adult i get wrapped up in shit <laughs> and i forget so uh so thank you for hopping back on and, and not being too mad at me <laughs> of course not right so i think you and i i had first i think you had questions about hunting or something maybe on instagram i can't remember what was it how did we first yeah. it was about hunting i think but you're just at getting into hunting correct Yes. So I did one event with a hunter recruitment project and that's where they, they have new hunters come and they pair them up with a mentor and I fell in love with it. And I knew I always wanted to get into it, but being from the city and not growing up around it at all, I had no idea where to start. And so um, the hunter recruitment project was awesome, but then, you know, I just want to follow on and keep doing it. So I, think I reached out to you or asked you about, you know, how to break into it, I guess. (laughs) It was actually funny. So she, I think she, I'm speaking for you, thought I was kind of a dick maybe because I wasn't overly, but I had been drinking a little and I was messaging you and she's like, I like this side (laughs) of you a lot more. I'm like, believe it or not, I'm like this all the time. It's just, I don't, that might've been a little worse while I was drinking. Um, But, but you were, I just think like, you're just very straightforward when, you know, I guess you're don't know who you're talking to or don't know the person. So I was just like, Oh, it's not really that approachable. And then when you were texting me and you're drinking, it was like, Oh, (laughs) this is better. (laughs) No, I'm super chill. One of the things I'm always worried about messaging, you know, at certain, certain things or what, you know, when I say that meaning like the the last thing I, I, I got out of the blue message you and say, Oh, Hey, how are you? You know, do you want to hop on? Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I've been kind of hesitant of doing that with different people till I get to meet them in person. So you were like, why didn't you bug me before? I'm like, I, I don't know. I did. I'm sure you get enough dudes <laughs> bugging you. So anyhow, so I did finally bug you, I guess. But, uh, but you, <laughs> I didn't know you were uh, not giving away your age. You were in the military for 23 years. I thought you were much younger than you were. You were in the Navy for 23 years, correct? Yes. Yes. Almost 24 years. Um, I know I get that a lot. It's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I will be 45 next month. You could so. be my mom. That's crazy. Frank yeah. likes cougars too. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
Frank dated one cougar right. and everything went downhill after that, but that might have been my fault. Um, so, and, and actually, you are truly technically a cougar because you, you have kids too, don't you? I do. See, yes. Frank? Stay away from Frank, Nikki. You're getting in trouble. So... With with uh, the tw- like twenty three years, uh, obviously, I'm I'm sure you traveled quite a bit. What what did you actually do wh- while you were in the Navy? So I started out as a search and rescue corpsman back in the nineties, and I at the time I was the only female doing it, which should have given away. I probably <laughs> I wasn't this huge, you know fitness girl or anything, but I just wanted to fly in helicopters and that was kind of my opportunity. And then I realized pretty quickly throughout my training why there weren't many females or any females at the time. Um, it was pretty rigorous, but ended up qualifying, loved it. And then halfway through my, so at 10 years, I, or at seven years, I applied for a commissioning program to go into nursing, got accepted, went to school for two and a half years. And then um, got commissioned at my 10-year mark and then did another almost 14 years as an officer. So, like, I don't know if I'm going to have to beat it out of you or what. Like, tell some stories. Like, <laughs> where all did you go? Like, what? Get, give people, uh, especially non-military, uh, you know, people kind of give some more info as far as exactly what you were doing, where you were stationed, stuff like that. So when I was a, a search and rescue foreman, I was stationed and my first duty station was China Lake, which was a, considered an inland command um, and non-deployable. We just, we were there to provide search and rescue for the base and then the surrounding community in the mountains. Um, after that, I went to rescue summer school to be an instructor down in San Diego and then went to school for my commissioning program and then after that was stationed back in San Diego as a nurse. Um, and then throughout the time as, as a nurse, I did a lot of time with the Marine Corps, ended up deploying to Haiti um, right when the earthquake happened in 2010 and provided um, as part of a surgical team to help with all the traumatically injured people there, which it was, it was pretty devastating. And it was, it was my first look at, a third world country. I hate to say it was that late into my adulthood, but um, it was my first look at seeing that, wow, people really live like this in tents and um, no houses and they run around barefoot and it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, that country was pretty devastated. They had a lot of injured and we were there to help them. Um, right after that, I went to Afghanistan for 10 months with the Marine Corps and I was on a ground surgical team with them where we would provide what we call damage control surgery. So we were a mobile team. So we're able to um, do the surgery kind of on the fly. I mean, we, we would be able to, you know, set up within an hour is the, the theory behind it and um, treat patients to stabilize them and then get them on their way to the larger hospitals within the country. So I did that for about, well, it was about nine months and then a month of training and um, also did medevacs with SOF for those patients and saw a lot of very injured Marines and uh, coalition forces. It was, it was pretty bad. 
through a lot of IEDs. So these guys are getting a lot of their limbs blown off, um, genitals, everything you can imagine. So came back from there and ended up going on a, what's called a fleet surgical team where I was deployed on one of the amphibious warships with the Marines again and went out for six months. So there was a time where I was gone for about two and a half years <laughs> just around the world. And then after that came back, um, was back in San Diego at the hospital for a few years in the ER then went up to Pendleton with the Marine Corps medical battalion and I did a lot of training for the critical care transports, which I was doing in Afghanistan because we didn't really have a, a sound training program for that type of job. So um, I was creating training and, and getting my guys ready for that mission. And then, yeah, then I retired. <laughs> so did you, uh, when you retired, was it um, like... Um how much had changed, I guess, from when you had joined initially to when you had gotten out? Were you happy to get out? Not saying you didn't like your job, but were there certain things changing where you were like, okay, I've had enough of this shit or just had done your time and were ready to get out and do something new? I I was definitely done. <laughs> I I was reaching that rank. So I, I retired as a lieutenant commander, which is an 04. And that is the rank where you start getting very, you know, it, it gets very political and I am not a political person. I don't play the game. Um, if I had stayed in, I would have been up for, for commander 05. And it's just, I, I just have no interest. I like to be in the dirt. I like to be playing. I like to be, you know, doing the work. And at that point you end up, you know, you're in charge of things and you're more administrative and that's just not my personality. So I was ready to go. My uh, command wasn't very happy that I was getting out, but I just, I couldn't do it anymore <laughs> because I, I knew I wasn't going to get very far after that because I don't play the game that they want you to play. And I'm pretty vocal about that. So if you, if you follow my Instagram, <laughs> you see some of the rants that I go on. Occasionally, yeah, I've no, yeah, um, noticed some. You get, um, you fire right back though. You you have some people that go after you, but you don't fuck around. No, and I I was always like that throughout my career too. So <laughs> I just I don't care who you are, what you're wearing. I mean, you. I've always said you don't. You're you don't have the the rank on your collar isn't doesn't warrant you the respect. You have to earn that, and a lot of people don't understand that they think oh i'm wearing a certain rank on my collar so you just have to listen to what i say and you know shut up and tell her whatever um and i don't play that game because if you're wrong i'm gonna tell you you're wrong so yeah that doesn't always go over well in the military <laughs> it happens what so what are you doing now so now i i still work in a hospital just to keep up my clinical skills but i've gotten into aesthetics <laughs> Which is a completely change of pace because I'm used to, you know, going 100 miles an hour. And I've always been emergency medicine, critical care, flight nursing. Um, but now it's, it's just taking a step back. I'm getting older and, you know, being on my feet for 12 hours is hard. And this is just fun. It's, you know, doing the Botox and fillers and things like that. And people are happy. They want to be there. They, you know, are happy with their results and they feel good about themselves when they leave. So, 
going from, you know, seeing people on their worst day or their, you know, one of their worst times to now dealing with people who are, are happy to be there is, is kind of nice. I like it. Gotcha. So are you going to, uh, like, is that, are you, are you planning on doing that until you, cause I would imagine, obviously you have a, a pension from the military and then are you going to, are you happy enough with that where you think you'll stay with it? I think so because I mean, there is a lot of money <laughs> that can be made in that field. Um, and it doesn't, not to say that I, I'm not a worker, but it doesn't require a whole lot of work. And for me, that opens up being able to do the things that I like to do or all my hobbies that I have, um, cooking in the background. So, and, and I've, for whatever reason, I've chosen the most expensive hobbies. So <laughs> to be able to make good money not have to work a whole lot, um, which will allow me to continue, you know, trying to be better at the things that, that I'm interested in is, is a bonus for me. So, yeah. Gotcha. So we might as well try and learn something here. Cause Frank and I suck at uh, anything to do with, um, first aid, uh, and to the point I had Luke stitch my hand up, which is probably the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever done. Um, we've had a few. Mm, Where's knots, right? Did he do correct knots? Or I what, had to tie it. How did that work out for you, by the way? It's I healed, didn't get right? infected. It healed. I, I mean, <laughs> what? It, I cut my hand and I was like, fuck, it's bleeding pretty bad. And I went up and uh, showed Amy and she's like, got to go to the hospital. I'm like, nah, fuck that. We can stitch it up. She's like, I'm not doing it. And I'm like, well, I can't do it with one hand. And I'm like, Luke's probably, he, you know, he was a corner man. He's probably done it. So I call him. Luke's like, oh, yeah, come on down. Well, he's watching it on fucking YouTube when I show up on how to stitch somebody. <laughs> and I had all the sutures and everything. Um, and so, yeah, he had some rusty needle nose and whiskey. <laughs> and uh, off we went. But it healed. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. I was a little concerned. I was watching it on your live and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I should have drank more whiskey because we didn't have anything to numb it up. So that was, um, uh, and, and Luke does not oh. have the strongest stomach. So he was like taking his time kind of, and I'm like, dude, just fucking hurry. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt in the morning. I could still shoot. So that's all that mattered. I just couldn't shoot very much. Mm. Nice. I ended up having to go on a hunt. <laughs> um, anyway, so, but, um, so like, uh, obviously coming from a, you know, medical background, but not being, uh, you know, done a ton of like maybe extreme hunts or backpack hunts or things like that. Um, what do you suggest like for, you know, for, for Frank and I, I carry like some Luco tape and some Oxycontin and some other bullshit and some glue. And that's about all I carry in. And Frank, you're about the same, I think. Pretty similar. I, we did a video on a med kit. I, I took some things out of our buddies at Fieldcraft Survival. They hooked us up with some first aid kits and I I grabbed a few things out of there and, and added them in, but mine isn't um, too intricate. Yeah, well, so I always kind of just wing it, and, uh, you know, I can build a tourniquet off of shit on my pack or whatever, but what do you suggest, like, you know, the the biggest thing I would say is lightning. There's not a whole lot you can do with that. Heat stroke, dehydration, uh, you know, altitude sickness, and then cuts from Havilon blades. Um one of the things is back in the day when we had quick clot, it was the quick clot that ate your skin away and 
basically what you'd put on when somebody was about to lose a limb and didn't matter anyway, but a lot of advancements in technology as far as the medical field goes. What, what, do you, what would you suggest out of the blue, not, not being on a ton of backpack hunts or none at all, for people to actually take with them that are a pl- like something they're actually going to use, not just carry around for the, for the fuck of it? Um, so if you're, you know, you don't have any medical experience and you're just out there, um, on your own, I definitely, you should have a pretty good tourniquet. I always recommend that. And I know you can, you can do some makeshift ones, but having a good tourniquet that that's made for that is always going to be a plus, especially if you're, if you don't expect that anyone can get to you in any good amount of time. <laughs> um, I would, I would always suggest carrying a tourniquet. Um, if you have like a combat gauze where you can pack wounds in case there, you know, any punctures, um, or if you have, you know, anything to like your course, I'm sure if you're, you're out hunting, there's always a chance that, well, hopefully you aren't going to get shot, but <laughs> I guess there are accidents that can happen out there. Um, well, if you're an archery hunter again, during muzzleloader season, you have a pretty good chance. Or if you're actually on a yeah. film and uh, Alec Baldwin's there, I guess you get a chance <laughs> yeah. to get shot too. That might be too yeah. soon. Uh, that was fucking crazy. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I'm still scratching my head over that one. I don't quite understand that. Um, but yeah, so I, a tourniquet and some combat guys and, you know, something to, to wrap up. Because I'm thinking, I mean, what mostly happens out there? Is it trauma or is it more medical stuff that people get injured. I go ahead, Frank. I'm not I real don't familiar with hunting world. I think um, during archery season and then any season when you get an animal on the ground, I think cuts are, are a pretty big um, worry for, for me at least. Uh, you know, a lot of these, um, these sharper knives that we use, the, they use kind of like a scalpel blade. So uh, any type of laceration would be a concern. So I think like you're talking about the, the tourniquet, could be a good option depending on where you stab yourself or cut yourself or um yeah cuts are a big one uh gunshot wounds i don't think are overly common i think the cuts are probably the bigger thing and then um as far as hiking goes anything from sprained ankle to broken bones to taking a hard fall and and then altitude altitude sickness yeah of course altitude yeah i mean again if you because you know tourniquets are good for any kind of trauma um, and then the, the gauze for trying to, if you have to pack any type of wound, um, even like a little sampling, which can be rolled up, you know, if you have any type of, uh, limb injuries, ankles, whatever, those are usually work well. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, that's the basics I would say to carry, um, altitude sickness. I mean, there isn't a whole lot you can do for that other than get out of the um, environment that you're in. <laughs> you want to come down. Um, that happens a lot. Fuck yeah, it does here. Like I, pretty common. Um, I would say, I don't know, probably half the people that go above tree line probably have some, whether it be dehydration or, or actual altitude sickness, it's fairly prevalent, you know, just cause like mule deer hunting, you're, you know, a lot of times at 12, maybe not quite 13,000 feet, but pretty high. Yeah. I mean, you know, for altitude sickness, you want to be able to descend or, you know, oxygen is, is one of the main treatments. 
which I'm sure you're not carrying that around. Um, <laughs> Dave did. Actually. Yeah, Dave brought cans of oxygen. I don't know if those work or not. They brought not, not, not like, oh, for when you're climbing Everest, but not, not like that, but like the little cans you buy at the gas station and breathe in. He brought those. <laughs> you can get oxygen at the gas station? In Colorado, yeah, you can buy these little cans of oxygen. Um, they probably oh. cause I cancer in California. Yeah, they're kind of marketed more towards uh, hiking and stuff. I think the altitude sickness thing is pretty common with hikers. We get a, a ton of hiking here in Colorado. So you see it quite a bit, but like Aaron's saying, I mean, Hunting is is no different, and probably um, you probably get get it worse hunting since you're carrying such heavy heavy packs, packing in and packing out and stuff. And I mean, I've gotten it myself a couple. Yeah, yeah. What's the um, highest altitude yeah, you've that, been at? That I've been. Yeah. Um. Well, I hiked uh, Mount Baldy. And that was 10 something. I did that on a whim. I didn't realize how much of a hike it was. I thought it was just a little hike. <laughs> yeah. And I did it for my 40th birthday and I talked my friend into doing it. And she's like, oh, well, how long is this? I'm like, oh, no, I think it's just like a couple hours. It's not very big. Didn't do my research, obviously. And yeah, it was about 14 miles and eight hours we were up there. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, like with here in Colorado, you can drive to 12 extremely easy and, and uh, you know, a few places drive uh, four, to 14,000. And so, yeah, again, it's more yeah. prevalent just because of where we live. Right. Like my, ho- um, my house is 10,000 feet. Yeah, because I mean, you guys are the mile high state, right? Yeah, yeah. But you can't throw a hippie in Boulder without it landing on a Subaru, so it's kind of going to shit. But it is pretty. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, as far as you, um, it, you know, in the hunting, you know, realm or whatever, you went last year on your first hunt or the year before? It was December last December. That's it. So, did you like it? I loved it. Yeah. I. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And <laughs> my mentor was like, okay, you know, if you get nervous before you shoot, and I was like, oh, I don't get nervous. <laughs> shot my first deer, um, turned around and shot the second one. So it was, yeah. You didn't get too nervous? You were great. good? I was great, yes. It's a little more nerve-wracking with a bow, and I don't know. It might be different for you with every, you know, your background, but... Usually with the bow and like super close up, it's a, uh, the typewriter leg can start bad, pretty bad. And, you know, adrenaline, they, there's guys now and gals starting to do like studies of what, you know, the person's heart rate is when they take a shot at the animal. Because like in the Olympics, their heart rates were 140, 160, the Olympic archers. And so everybody handles it differently, though. Well, I would think because a bow, you have to get a lot closer, too. So I think there are a lot more factors that go into it. Uh, yeah, I um, think it definitely depends on the circumstance. Like <clears throat> a lot of times, rifle hunting, I'll be I'll be good, um, pretty calm. And then on this last rifle hunt that I was on with uh, a couple of my buddies, Braden and Tomas, we were elk hunting. We had this elk bugling, and it was just like archery hunting. And I was pretty calm for a second, and then I started getting closer and closer. And then the bull bugled, and my Tomas got it on film. My leg just started going nuts. Typewriter leg shaking a little bit. I'm like, holy crap! 
kind of kind of exciting but so do you yeah, have that would be awesome. do you have anything coming up i know you had had you know messaged me back and forth uh, a little bit as far as advice or mentoring but do you do you have any hunts coming up are you going to try and go soon or you're kind of in the communist california area so you got to travel no matter what <laughs> i do yeah i guess there's hunting here but i just i don't really know where exactly i have to find people that know more about it in this area um yeah, I'm going in the next what, couple of mid November. I'm going to do a backcountry in Idaho um, with horses. <laughs> so I'm really excited about it. What you know, my first hunting trip with the, the hunting recruitment project, it, it was on someone's land and property. So you weren't really having to look very hard for the animals. Um, and they had seeds, so like the animals came out and they were feeding, and that's kind of when you were going out there. But now I like I, I want to actually you know do the backcountry stuff, and and I want to learn how to field dress and you know all the the um, cutting the animal up and having to pack it and walk it out and that type of thing. So um, I'm going to get a little taste of that next month, and we're going to go in for I think four to six days and see what happens so i'm really excited about it gotcha yeah they uh the backpack hunts are definitely you know they're just because obviously you have to stay alive and pack your shit in and then pack the animal out and it can it can turn into sometimes a, a bit of a physical ass kicker just um you know you can imagine packing 150 pounds out for six seven miles can really start to suck oh yeah i was watching uh one of your posts where you were getting up and you had the animal on your back. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I don't okay. know how much that weighed, but it, <laughs> we weighed that one. That was like 140 something. I look like that little fat kid on a Christmas story. Remember <laughs> yeah. the grandy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. That, that was me. I got up, but it just took a minute. I mean, that's, that's so crazy. And all of the animal fits in your pack. Um, mule deer. will. So it's the kind of stuff you learn, obviously, um, yeah, you know, a mentor or whatever, but like a mule deer that weighs 200 pounds, you're going to get about 60 pounds of meat out of it. Uh, kind of a good rule of thumb is if an animal, it's 30% of the gross weight of the animal. So if the animal is a thousand pounds on the hoof, you're going to get three to 350 pounds roughly. Um, so with a mule deer, like a big mule deer is 250 to 300 pounds and three is huge. And so you're looking at 90 pounds of mule deer, 50 pounds of gear, so about 140 pounds. So you can do that on one trip. Um, I would say, I don't know, for elk-wise, like I've done half an elk at one time, and it's it's pretty rough. Um, you know, even a small bull, you're getting 150 to 170 pounds. Split that two ways, plus your gear. It, it can make for a long day and bad knees and decisions. What else is wrong with me? Frank's younger than me. I'm all fucked up. <laughs> My feet, my so knees are starting to catch up on me. Do you just have to make multiple trips? You just go back and forth? I'm a one trip kind of a guy. But yeah, most get people will make um, more than one trip. Frank, you got anything to add on that? <laughs> That's why you should only backpack hunt for deer. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at these larger animals and I don't understand how you guys get like a bear. How do you get that out? Bears aren't that that big, really. Black bears—they're kind of deceiving. Um, 
I would say like elk is a problem usually. When I say that meaning, that's going to take some doing. Moose is horrible. Um, you know, that's something you really want to kill close to camp. Um, you know, as far as just being able to get it out. That's what a lot of, like what you learn, kind of your limitations physically. So you'll get a lot of guys getting into this and, and watch different, maybe post it, um, hi, uh, hype up the, the good side of backpack hunting and leave out the bad. Um, and so they'll be, you know, hey, I'm going on my first backpack hunt, 14 days, we're going five miles in for elk. The chance of most people making it 14 days on, on backpack hunting or, or probably in the less than 10%. So a hundred people go less than 10 would actually make it. The chances of somebody making it out five miles with a elk solo or with another partner is even slimmer. Um, just cause the amount of trips and, uh, and everything else. So I, you know, we've done it a long time, so it's a little bit different. We know our, our limitations, but two miles is about the most you want to pack an elk out solo. Wow. Just physically, That's most awesome. people can't handle it. So, yeah, I don't know. It takes a toll, but I mean, it's fun. It, but, you know, long term, you want to try to. I have not done a great job taking care of my, you know, body. So now, you know, hitting 45 here pretty quick, um, I'm starting to feel it a lot more. I'm getting a lot more dry needling and shit like that done just because I'm um, starting to feel it. it feel it. <laughs> the dry needling is amazing, isn't it? It is. I, I just, we had actually uh, Dr. Caroline on the podcast. She does the dry needling and stuff for us. And at this point now I'm seeing her about once every two weeks or after every trip because something, whether it be my lower back is stiff or shoulders, I've ripped up my biceps. So um, those kind of get the, like tighter um, uh, a little bit, but, but, uh, but yeah, the dry needling's help. Um, I've been trying to stretch more too. I'm really bad about that. So I've been trying to get better. When is your birthday, by the way? Mine is November 22nd. Oh, yeah. See, you're a little older than me. Two months. Yeah. Yep. I'm an old lady. Whatever. So, um, <laughs> the hunt, like, what are you wanting to do hunting-wise? Like, what, when I say that meaning, is there anything you've looked at where you're like, holy shit, that is what I want to do? Any animal or anything, you know, whatever. I would love to hunt elk. Um, I, my whole purpose behind this is I want to learn how to do all of this by myself and field dress and process the meat and everything, because I really, I would love to go off the radar at some point. <laughs> I don't, the country's kind of going to crap right now. And I just, I want to get a lot of land and just be able to be self-sufficient and not rely on anybody. And I think the hard part is like people, I don't think people take me serious with that. So when I reach out and then asking to learn all this stuff I just it's really difficult to get people to help you and you, you had mentioned you. that and what, I think, what did I tell you though why <laughs> was my response not what you expected <laughs> no your response it is and I, I I get it like you know I think with obviously it's a very male dominant field and a lot of the men are married and they don't you know the wives don't particularly want their husbands hanging out with a female. I get it. I totally understand that. Um, and then I think the other part is men just don't really want to hang out with girls. So, you know, I, I got a lot of feedback. I did a post about it and a lot of the guys were saying, you know, when we go out with the guys, we just want to be with the guys. We want to be able to shoot this shit without having to worry about, you know, female being around or whatever. 
Um, so any comments yeah. on that, Frank? Well, um, not to bring up Phil Craft's Bible again, but look, they actually do a lot of uh, classes with um, with women, and I think one thing that they're getting into now is uh, like intro to hunting. Uh, specifically for women and I think Kevin Estella is on a hunt right now with one of their employees kind of working out the details of the program so that's something to always look into I mean there's there are a lot of programs um, out there uh, Randy and Candy Yao they both I think they do a ladies camp um, for hunting kind of an introductory introductory deal so I think there are um, more and more programs out there Christy Titus was just I think on one with uh, uh, on an antelope hunt a, like a ladies deal um introductory thing so you kind of just got to do a little bit of research but there yeah. there are quite a few out there and then you know once you get get the um you know get the gist of things you can start branching off on your own and doing your own thing yeah i think you know you were talking about some of the programs my thing is just that you know you gotta like shell out you know tons of money i feel like to get any instruction and it, for me, it was just, I'm surrounded by so many people that I know that hunt all the time. And I'm just like, why? I even said, I'll just tag along and like not make a word and just watch you and learn and whatever. And it's just, it, it's like pulling teeth to get anybody to invite you <laughs> on any hunting trip. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's probably going to resort to having to, you know, pay money and do the programs and everything. Um, and I talked to one of my friends, Nicole, about, you know, let's just start some type of a girl group. You know, she and I want to learn as much as we can and just start a girl group where we just meet up and we, you know, teach other women what we know and, you know, not charge a thousand dollars or however much it is half the time. So, um, that's my goal, I think in the future and, and not just with hunting, but I love shooting and I let, you know, I want to learn more about all of this stuff and, I kind of run into the same problem. I, I love long range shooting, but I run into the same problems as I am with hunting. So my goal is to learn as much as possible and then just start kind of girl groups. Cause I had with that post that I did, I had a lot of females reach out and say they've had the same issues and they don't know where to start. And a lot of us just, we didn't grow up around it or, you know, a lot of the guys in the military, when it comes to like long range shooting, for instance, they had courses that they, they took and were, you know, a part of, and they have that knowledge that was given to them in the military. Well, a lot of us didn't have that opportunity. So we're sort of starting from scratch and to try to figure out how to, you know, I've taken courses with precision rifle, but to keep going with it, you know, is, is difficult when you're on your own and you don't know what you don't know. So, um, it's just nice to be around people who know what they're doing and again, not having to pay thousands of dollars each time you go out so <laughs> uh, yeah it, it can get expensive the, the good thing though once you kind of learn what you're doing it's the sky's more or less the limit it's more just a matter of probably fear time off you know some people get nervous to do backpack hunts by themselves or you know the time off yeah um you know but i mean overall it's not once you kind of get the the general hang of it you have enough of skill set and other things that other than blowing animals out like crazy you'll probably be able to find them yeah, and that's it. I mean, Nicole, we were talking. She's like, you know what? We just need to buy tags and just go. And I was like, you're probably right. <laughs> that's probably what we should do. But I would just, you know, like to have a little bit more, a little more knowledge um, before we just go out on our own. And, and like I said, she and I talked about just trying to get as much experience as we can probably in the next year. And then we'll just 
pull the trigger and start just putting groups together and go and do it. So, so which Nicole, we'll which one, which one's is she on social? Yeah. Her handle is that girl, Nicole, something, um, she, uh, she works for black rifle, her and her fiance's here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We know them. So She's short. Yeah. Like, super short. Cause she, when I saw her first, I was <laughs> like, will. holy shit, you're shorter <laughs> than I thought you'd be. Um, <laughs> No, they're super cool though. She's she's definitely um seems like a live wire for sure. And she's surrounded by people that should be able to help her. Yeah, I'm gonna have to kick Evan in the ass. What the fuck? Dude? Well <laughs> Well that's the thing. Again, we're both surrounded by all these people and we still have a hard time getting invited or, or going on these things. So that's why we both have been talking. We're like, you know what? Let's just figure it out ourselves and we'll You're gonna have to get the fuck together, out of California so. and find a manly man that wears plaid. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or hope, maybe he'll transfer. I just, I just need to find some land that's not crazy expensive. Where where do you live? You live in Colorado? Yes. You don't want to live here. We're moving to Wyoming. Why did yeah. I think you... Wyoming, yeah. I would love... But Wyoming's pretty expensive too, isn't it? Nah, I mean, Jackson Hole maybe. Everything else is pretty cheap. You can't buy a porta potty here for under 200 grand, so... It's yeah. expensive. Yeah. Where, well, where are you at in California? Yeah. I'm in Temecula, which is about an hour north of San Diego. Oh, it's expensive as shit. Where are you um, at? It is now. Yeah, when I first moved here, it wasn't too bad. And then now it's it's definitely gotten pretty expensive. Um, but it is a little, it's a conservative pocket of California, which I like. We're under Riverside County. Um and a lot of these guys are, are pretty conservative, so the sheriff is definitely very conservative. Um, yeah, so it's a nice little area if you have to be in California, but I'm definitely looking to get out of here. I just would like a lot of land somewhere where I can get far away from people. So, so looking around, I was looking where, in Texas. Yeah, where? because <laughs> I hang out in Texas a crap load. Where were you looking in Texas? Just, I was looking at a friend of mine lives around um, the Dallas area. So just around between Dallas and Waco, there's a lot of area that has, you know, 20 acres or more. So I'm kind of poking around that area and looking. Um, I'd love to go to Idaho or I actually would rather go north, but it seems to be pretty expensive in that area too. So I don't know. All the Californians are moving out in infiltrating all these <laughs> states <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding uh so driving prices up oh yeah i'm sure um so with uh like are you are you gonna try to get into it was funny because yesterday i think you messaged me or the day before and you were like you shoot a recurve and i'm like obviously you don't pay attention to my page you peckerhead because i was like well yeah <laughs> and then i'm thinking shit i don't know you don't you haven't bow hunted have you shot a bow very much I, I have a compound bow, but no, just target shooting. I've never obviously gone hunting with it, but I love recurves. I just, it, they seem, I mean, I feel like you just have to have a lot more skill and strength <laughs> to use a recurve. Are you, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't dive into that world. Um, you'll end up committing suicide from frustration. It, uh, it's, 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 it's fun, but it's probably better to start with a compound and then maybe dabble in the recurve stuff later on 
Why is it just? You're di- the uh, Frank. You want to chime in? <laughs> what? <laughs> Frank's not. It listening. takes a lot more dedication and discipline to shoot a recurve. I feel like shooting a recurve for me personally, I have to shoot it every single day, and <clears throat> probably most people have to shoot it every single day to keep your skills up to par. And I don't think necessarily most people shoot one as well as Aaron does. So you know, he makes it look easy, but it's it is pretty. It's pretty hard. It's it's hard to do. Um, with the compound, at least I feel like uh, I don't have to practice daily to stay somewhat decent. But the more you shoot, you know, the more you get out of it. Uh, just like anything, but it is a lot more difficult, in my opinion, because you don't have the assistance of a, of a release or the assistance of a peep sight or a, a front sight, a rest. Usually, sometimes. Um, so, I think there's a lot that goes into it. I would say like the best scenario would be frank and i both go on a stock frank at 70 yards 80 yards can shoot the deer i've got another hour to two hours in and to try to get closer in what would 50 50 gonna blow it out trying to get closer so there's just a lot more aspects of it of the hunt patience being one of them and accuracy you you know you got to get try to get within 20 yards rather than you know 40 50 60 70 80 whatever so i would stick with a compound for a while (laughs) 20 yards holy cow yeah you you shot a bear before right i'm gonna smack the shit out of you i don't know probably 30 with a recurve i don't know how many i've shot yeah i've shot a bunch of shit with a recurve um i think frank was with me on the closest shot i had that was probably four or five feet maybe how far was that it was close yeah it was probably like about five feet yeah so i had a deer in its bed i shot at five feet a mule deer um i shot an owl dad at i don't know six or seven yeah i mean it's you know you gotta i mean it's a commitment um to getting close getting closer and the noise you know and all that crap um they yeah. just animals, you know, getting in their living room, they're pretty, I mean, you, you, know, you think about it, somebody rolled into your living room, you'd freak the fuck out, right? Where if somebody just fired a rocket from a hundred yards away, it'd be a lot easier. So it, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, just the skill set and frustration. I mean, there's times where I've wanted to snap the bow in half, but I, I really do enjoy it. So. Yeah. I mean, I like the sound of the challenge, but maybe someday I'll work up to that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I would say, you know, the compound thing at first and then see how you like it and then maybe get a recurve just to screw around. And, you know, if you get to where you're like super like, yep, this is it. This is for me. Then, you know, you can kind of proceed with that. But starting out as a brand new hunter with a recurve, you just need to know what you're locking horns with because you got an uphill road to hoe. <laughs> got it. Um, so the... Uh, to, to try to um like i i don't you're gonna get probably overwhelmed with people pestering you to be your hunting mentor uh frank's shaking <laughs> his head with who knows how many photos that may be attached to that um the are you are you wanting like kind of just so you, like people are gonna be like oh you can come hunt with me like um are you, are you open to like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll, I'll head over to Tennessee and hunt whitetail or, you know, cause you're going to get a lot of people bugging you probably. Yeah. Yes. I would. Yeah. I'm driving up to Idaho to go do this backcountry. I mean, I'm, I'm down for, and that's the thing again with my, you know, 
the way my schedule is now and the way I work, I can pretty much take time off and, and go. And I'm willing to travel anywhere if people are serious about helping. <laughs> so do you think, um, like what would be, you said elk, um, like the whitetail tree stand mm-hmm. thing? I mean, would you, for, for all the guys out there, I almost feel bad for you after we release this podcast. <laughs> I feel like, you know, (laughs) you would think that people would want to help, but I, I, I don't think there are going to be that many people that will reach out as you think there are. Uh, Would you like to wager? I've talked (laughs) about this forever and I I feel like I just don't get. It'd be cool to, if it was something that you documented and you kind of kept track of and kind of, um, let people follow along with your journey. That would be pretty cool. But yeah, you might get a few perverts that hit you up as well. No, I mean, I, I, that's what I tried to do. Like when I went on that last time, I, you know, took photos, talked about it, talked about how great it was. And, you know, this one coming up in November, I plan on documenting all of it. And I'm, I'm all about it. I just, it's, I'm telling you, it's really hard to get people to help. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) So what's your, what's your name on, on social media, on Instagram? Um, so, you know, so people, if they, if they have some opportunities, you might want to take them up on, where can they get a hold of you? So that my Instagram handle is flygirlrn, which is fly underscore girl underscore rn. And yeah, that's about, that's probably the best way to, to get a hold of me. That or I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, under Nikki Selby. So here's the next question. Are you single? I don't answer those questions you in public. Oh <laughs> uh, well, see, I was, we'll see how many um, marriage uh, requests you get more than hunting requests from, from manly men in, pl- yeah. in plaid. Uh, so I, I think that I think you'll be surprised. I would, I would, uh, I would bet you get a hold of me in a week, and you're like, "Holy shit, you were right." It's a very, I mean, other than the perverted community, which there's a lot of that, but um, it is a very helpful you know, community. I mean, people overall anyway, I mean, there's ding-dongs in every group, but I think you'd be surprised at how many people be, you know, open arms and uh, try and help you out. I would be forever grateful that there are people who want to help. So um, is there any, like, you know, you've worked some kind of with Black Rifle. Do you, any Mm -hmm. other companies that you work with? Mm -hmm. Um, no, not any, well, I was doing some stuff with the global surgical medical support group. Um, I went to Iraq right after I retired and we were teaching the Kurdish and the Peshmerga military. We're teaching them, um, advanced life support stuff. That was a really good experience. Um, haven't done, they kind of, their trips have sort of halted just, you know, everything with COVID and traveling internationally is, is kind of difficult. Um, but I was working with them and then I work at the firm out of DC, um, Global Guardian, where I do, I'll do some, like I was in Africa not too long ago doing a, not a medevac, but I was doing a medical escort for a gentleman who was having some problems. And so went out to Africa for a weekend and grabbed him and brought him home. (laughs) To do little things like that, some contracting work. 
Gotcha. Well, I guess I, sh- I probably phrased that incorrectly. Is there any other outdoor companies oh. that have kind of reached out to you as oh. far as shooting? It was still a good story. You nailed it. But, um, you know, obviously I'm sure like Black Rifle, you know, like, I, you know, the, you're um, like being friends with Nicole and working with them. Is there any other companies like, like you said, you did a little bit of stuff with Long Range, um, anything like that? Um, no, not really. I haven't worked with any companies. Um, no, not with any the shooting stuff. Gotcha. There have been a couple companies I reached out to, because I want to build a, a new rifle, long-range rifle, so there have been a companies I reached out to help with that, but no, I haven't worked with anyone specifically. See, you'll be Insta-famous in no time. What, are they, what is it? Insta, uh, what are they <laughs> Insta hunt. You're already Insta famous. You'll be an Insta. You'll, uh, <laughs> come on. What is it? Frank, help me out here. You're going to be a uh, hunting famous. You'll, yeah. You're going to, um, I'm not an influencer. Yeah, that was it. An influencer. Good God. You're going <laughs> to be an influencer. <laughs> no. <laughs> All you got to do is kill a grouse. You'll be good. <laughs> All right. I'm not an influencer. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Well, cool. Well, um, we're getting close to uh, an hour here, and I uh, again, I apologize for somewhat blowing you off the first go around. I did not mean to, but um, but I, yeah, I mean, I I I think that um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Hopefully, this will give you some more opportunities hopping on here. And then uh, your page is very creative, uh, especially your story. I always hop on the story to see all the different political posts, which I personally love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're okay if people have, um, you, you know, they reach out to you as far as different um, hunting options or, or different, you know, invites and things like that. I would love that. Yes, absolutely. Well, cool. Well, I mean, thank you again for hopping on here and then thanks for your service as well. And then, um, you know, if there's any, I know we tried to get you a pack. Did you ever finally pick one out? I did. Yeah. Um, Holy she, shit. She sent it. It took like three weeks. <laughs> I I appreciate that. No problem. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks again for hopping on. And then obviously you can reach out to us anytime if you need help. I don't know how much help we can be over the phone. Um, but yeah, if anybody has any invites, the, the good ones like the doe hunts, those are really good to go on because you get lots of shooting in and lots of different, um, you know, seeing how to break down the animals and everything else. So please reach out to Nikki. She needs your assistance in how to kill shit. <laughs> thank you no no problem thank you for hopping on and uh, and yeah definitely we'll stay in contact and we appreciate everything awesome thank you for having me uh-huh Bye-bye. thank you Bye-bye.